This is Ryan Bell from the Life After God podcast, and I never listen. I mean, why would I listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore? I mean, that's the competition. You need to listen to Life After God. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Thalamore. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Episode 516 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and I am joined by the lovely, the talented, the movie going, Brittany Page. Yes, we want to talk about a movie that we saw. And I realized because we can't check in when we go to the movies anymore. <laughs> Well, we used to check in on Facebook that we're at the movie theater. You get too many death threats and all of a sudden. Yeah, but then you're just sitting ducks in a movie theater. Yeah, it's something you do. Yeah. So if we do check in, it is after we have already left the location. (laughs) That is right. So then any kind of disturbed people who want to come and hunt us down, uh, we're no longer there. We, we used to be even on Yelp where we would fucking blip it a check in everywhere. Yeah, no. No fucking chance. No, 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 no. And honestly, honestly, maybe everyone should do that. We should all be a little bit more private online. I think that would just be a good rule for everybody, not just people who talk about their political opinions in a very public yeah. way and upset it's hard. It's certain hard. people. That's hard for me. It's hard for you to be yeah, private? No, no. Um, well, not private. I've never been a private guy. I'm a social guy. So it's kind of a cool thing to check in and like, hey, join me in the thing that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. We, it's not something I do anymore. Yeah. But I understand the draw of it. And, but mm-hmm. it does present... Uh, Anyway, can we talk about the movie? The movie? Yeah, so <laughs> yes. So we saw Booksmart. Fucking sidetrack McGee over here. We saw Booksmart, which was directed by Olivia Wilde. Whom I love, by the way. Yes. And it starred mostly girls mm-hmm. and women. Yeah. Are they all over eighteen? I think they're probably all eighteen. Yeah, well Jonah Hill's sister. Yeah. Feldstein. Beanie Feldstein. Beanie Feldstein. You also don't need to lead with Jonah Hill's sister. You could lead with her name. Well, I don't think people would know who she is unless you say Jonah Hill's sister. Well, people make the same claim about um, anybody. (laughs) So no one would know who she is unless we mentioned who her husband is first. Hmm. So anyway, just don't be a dick. And uh, (laughs) Also, something I like to do, apparently. Yeah. So anyway, we saw this movie and it was great. Very funny. And unfortunately, Olivia Wilde tweeted over the weekend and said, hey, go see this movie because you don't want to be in a situation where 
movies that are directed by women, written by women, starring women about women, um, aren't going to have a chance to have their movie made yeah. by these big time studios because they can point and say, oh, look at Booksmart. It didn't work. Yeah, And by unfortunately, she tweeted. I think you mean, unfortunately, she fucking had to tweet that yeah. because it didn't do well in its opening weekend. Yeah. And it's it's weird because, well, it's weird that Olivia Wilde felt the need to do that because yeah. Male directors certainly don't feel the need to do that, right? If they make a movie starring men, about men, directed by men, there isn't this, oh, are we going to be able to make another one of these? Yeah, there's no pressure for a dude. He's like, well, I'll fucking get another job. No big deal. But it's not necessarily the case with women because... The, quote unquote, the jury's still out. Yeah. Oh, is it going to do well? Can they perform? Blah, do blah, blah. people care about women? Yeah. We don't know yet. <laughs> still testing I, the waters I on laugh. that. I laugh as a tear rolls down my fucking cheek yeah. because, it, look, it's it, as I smash the mic, it is, uh, it's true. Mm-hmm. It's not a level playing field. Mm-hmm. Women are held to a far higher standard. And look what happened to Patty Jenkins. She got fired from a from a superhero movie prior to doing Wonder Woman Mm -hmm. and then showed just how awesome and fucking talented she is Mm -hmm. by doing Wonder Woman. Yeah. So. Yeah. We also want to talk about another aspect of it, which is the movie is getting attacked by religious zealots. Oh, yeah. We're very unhappy that the movie shows girls being raunchy it, by the way not a raunchy movie at all it, no at all. yeah people were comparing it like the female super bad and that's not even fair either because superman is a or super bad you have me thinking about superheroes now <laughs> um super bad <laughs> yeah was a turd out there and you know <laughs> Compared to this movie, this movie yeah. was funny and smart and very sweet. And no, it was not a female super bad. So anyway, getting back to my point, it's being attacked in the ratings by users, um, by religious zealot users on Rotten Tomatoes. And also there is a lesbian in the movie, which is also very upsetting. In a lead role. To the religious zealots. Oh, yeah. But there were so many aspects of the movie I like. Very sex positive, very emphasis on consent in the sex scene. Um, I don't want to spoil it, so I won't go into details. Also but- very positive about women being friends with one another and not tearing each other fucking down. Right. Lifting each other up. Yeah. Wanting the best for them, <laughs> it was it was just really moving, and I saw it on the weekend after my lifelong best friend was visiting, and so it was really emotional for me coming down off that trip to see the movie and and identify with parts of it there too. So I think even if it's even though it's about female friendships, that everyone can relate to these things because if you have had a friendship. You can relate to it. Yeah, because female <laughs> friendships, much like other friendships, yeah. they're friendships. Yes. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting how that works, isn't it? But the movie is spectacular. Yeah. It is very, very funny and uplifting for the fact that we live the time that we live, which means... It's 20 fucking 19, everybody. Get over your goddamn self. Gay people exist. Women exist in roles other than being a sounding board for a fucking dude in a movie. 
Yeah. And I would also say we should probably all be better about this, like being aware of which movies we should give our support to so that there are these kinds of movies being made. Yeah. Right. Well, and another one that I can think of is Always Be My Maybe on Netflix, which I think just came out this weekend. And it is written by Ali Wong and Randall Park. And I read an interview with both of them where they just talked about how they created the movie that they never got to see with themselves being represented in a way that they typically don't see in the media. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important that we make ourselves aware and support these films, these shows um, that represents cultural diversity and just diversity period. Not white America. Right. Not everything you've seen every time you've gone to the movies for the entirety of your fucking life. Mm-hmm. And the bonus is that both with with Booksmart and with this Ali Wong movie is they're both fun. They both look very funny. Mm-hmm. It's quality material. Yeah. It's not like you're just throwing somebody a bone because they made something and oh, you got to support it. There's awesome shit out there that's not a fucking Mel Gibson movie. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, I, I would encourage. I haven't seen the, the 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 Netflix thing yet, but we for sure have seen Booksmart. Go out there and if you're going to support something, support something that's quality. Support something that needs to be supported and that's being attacked by alt right men's rights groups, religious nutter butters. Do the right thing. Anyway, I we didn't really mean to go off on a. On a fucking tangent there, but uh, sometimes that happens. <laughs> we almost went off on an entirely different tangent. Um, before we move on, though, we want to give shout outs to a couple of people who have sent us things the last few days. We always love to go down to the to the post office box, mm-hmm. which we also have to have because of the, de- the death threats, bringing it full circle. Right. And... Uh, Get a little treat. And just recently, we've gotten a couple of different things. One, we got a message on on um, Patreon, mm-hmm. as I blank. And then the other one, we got a message that, hey, this next thing coming to you is for Brittany. So that is awesome. One is from the UK, and it's a couple of books from Samuel. And uh, he wrote us this message. Hey guys, hope this email finds you well. Thought I would shout off this email while I have a free five minutes. Been a listener for a while now. Found you via Jesse's YouTube page during the 2016 Trump presidential run and his little forgotten comment in many about no-go areas in the UK. I was hoping that not all our American cousins had lost their mind and believe that dumbass. Though we are having the best of times over here with the shit show that is Brexit and the rise of the alt-right feel like every day another thing has been added to the dumpster fire. But don't really want to go down that depressing road right now. I emailed you during the AMA episode a few months back about some books. I have sent them. I hope they have arrived safe at the P.O. box. I met one of the authors and he signed a copy of his book. Hopefully it gets through customs and arrivals soon. If you haven't heard anything, please let me know and I'll send another copy. Much love. Love the show. Popeye's the best part. Samuel from London. Ah, We need a Popeye's the best part drop. But... Uh, we did get the books. 
Yes. And one of them is why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. And the other one is race and class in the ruins of empire. Wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not started either one yet, but they are on the list. And I would say shortly. In fact, that uh, the latter that you read seems very, very interesting to me. Yeah. So thank you very much, Samuel. We appreciate the books very much. We, I've long said that like Christmas gifts for me, books or booze, and then in addition to that, like kitchen equipment, cooking shit, are the perfect gifts. Books, booze, and kitchen shit. So uh, these are welcome, welcome additions, and we appreciate it very much. Yeah, we do. So the other one was from Nick, and he sent his own book, a book of poetry, As the Moonlight Shines, by Nick Ulanowski. I think that's how you pronounce that. Sorry, Nick. It's probably not. Um, yeah, thank you for sending me this book. Um, he wrote in here, Brittany, I know you love books and want to read all the books, so I hope you will enjoy mine. Check out my poem, Dr. Seuss Was Gangsta, on page 50. It pertains to climate change and Bush-era politics. <laughs> uh, love the show. You're the best part. Nick. Uh, love the show. Brittany's the best part. I just As... I love that Dr. Seuss was gangsta pertaining to climate change and Bush era politics. Yeah, yeah. As the Moonlight Shines, a book of poetry by Nick Ulanowski. Thank you for that. Very nice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We love our little treats. Those are great treats. We've actually been asked what the, to, to put our um, Amazon wish lists public, mm-hmm. and we've been kind of hesitant to do so. Uh-huh. Yours would kind of be easy because it's books and shit. Mm-hmm. It's smart people shit. And mine is kind of just a place for me to save things like equipment for the show, microphones and bullshit like that. So maybe we should just put yours out there because it's more normal. Mine's... More like a bookmarks on a on a on a browser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we'll see. <laughs> Support for I doubt it with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like you. By way of Patreon, your support on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month helps keep the show going and move the conversation forward, one podcast at a time. If you would like to join the ever-growing family of supporters, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. We have one new Patreon supporter, Tyrome. Tyrome! Yes. Thank nice. you very much for your beautiful contribution to the show. You guys are what keep us, keeps us, keep us. You guys keep us. You guys keep us going. <laughs> <laughs> Grammar is hard, everybody. Did you know it's late? <laughs> well, we said we'd get an episode out on the Friday, and here we are on a Friday. Well, we also got a bit delayed because our old dog is having some substantial Man. problems. Speaking of Popeye's the best part, his ears are not the best part. Yeah, he's he's having a bummer time, so we're probably going to have to take him to the vet because he's rubbing his ears all over the place, and... We don't know if it's just allergies or anyway. Another eye, by the way. His good eye. Yeah. It's kind of his half-ass eye now. It's not yeah. great either. Yeah. He's aging real fast is what we're it's, saying. It's a rapid yeah. decline. <laughs> but he's a happy fella. He is very happy, yes. Well, not when his ears are 
doing what they're doing. That is true. Mm -hmm. So we have a broken down mascot. Yeah. You have a broken down mascot, everybody. He is the mascot of the show, after all. Yes. Anyway, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Thank you for all of your support. If you are making a purchase on Amazon anytime soon, notwithstanding all the the stupid wish list talk, if you're going to be making an Amazon purchase, go to dollamore.com slash Amazon. We actually just got an email this week telling us, hey, uh, you guys are turned off. We have five days to take down some link that I had on the website down mm-hmm. and they were going to or they're going to turn our turn our affiliate thing off mm-hmm. because we're using it wrong. Well, the thing about Amazon is they don't want you to make money. That's right. They, wanna they want to make money. They want the traffic. Right. But they don't want you to talk about it too much. Yeah, right. You know, it's not like we're actually helping Amazon. They're already getting enough traffic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. They don't I do need know. us is what I'm saying. I don't know. I think if we stopped talking about Amazon like every other episode, mm. Jeff Bezos would probably go bankrupt. Yeah. It's because of I Doubt It With Dollamore podcast mm-hmm. that Bezos is where he is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that that's quite true, but I think it has hints of truth is what I'm How saying. How dare you, Brittany Hints Page. of truth. How dare you? Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, as you all, I'm sure know, Robert Mueller made a statement to the press and, by extension, to the American people on Wednesday. I actually had an arrangement with grand jury duty that if Robert Mueller was to testify, I wasn't going to be there. I just let him know. I said, "Look, it's a work thing." I know that's weird. I'm not going to show up Mm -hmm. because they have shit to do. Mm -hmm. But I did go in because it was just a statement, a nine and a half minute statement to the press. It was a surprise announcement for the general public, I think. But the White House had actually been warned um, in advance of the announcement. And there are two aspects to his statement that we're going to talk about today. One involves to give you a heads up about what we're going to talk about, because we don't like people to be in the dark here. You might be in the dark about his statement in general. But, uh, we're going to give you the, the, the heads up. Uh, one is about his explanation as to his charging decisions relative to the Office of Legal Counsel's policy about not indicting a sitting president, about not charging criminally a sitting president. Now, this is obviously a a sitting president cannot be convicted, but that doesn't mean they cannot be indicted. Constitutionally, they have immunity from conviction, but not from charges. It's a different thing. And then the other thing that we're going to talk about is him kind of passing the buck because of the Office of Legal Counsel's decision, opinion, passing the buck to Congress and explaining that they needed to preserve evidence. And that was really the main focus or one of the main focuses of the investigation in general. Can you explain the first point that you made again about indictment and charges? The Office of Legal Counsel is a division within the Justice Department. Mm-hmm. And they have, a, 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 in 1973, they put out an opinion that a sitting president cannot 
be indicted mm-hmm. for a crime or misdoings or whatever mm-hmm. by the Justice Department. Now, because Robert Mueller is just an employee of the Justice Department, he's just another lawyer mm-hmm. within the Justice Department, he has to stand fast to the policies and procedures of his employer, the Justice Department. So going into this, he knew, he knew up front we're not going to be able to indict a sitting president. So no matter what we find, there will not be an indictment. You know, is that pretty pretty clear? Yeah, so I guess what I was what was confusing to me about what you said and I'm not sure why it could be because I wasn't paying attention, but um <laughs> That the Constitution... You're planning the next show, is what you're doing. Yes. So that uh, the Constitution doesn't have anything to say about not indicting. That's right. No, nothing. Or bringing charges. Right. It's that a conviction can't take place. Right. And so in that case, uh, the question then becomes, well, what's the point in bringing charges? Ah, Very good. That brings us to the second point, mm-hmm. which is Congress. There's a constitutional role uh, outside of the of the Department of Justice, outside of the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. for removing a president from office, and then after they're removed from office, then they can be convicted mm. of a crime. Mm-hmm. So, in a perfect world. We're talking about Donald Trump here. In a perfect world, um, if there hadn't been an OLC, Office of Legal Counsel, decision about not indicting a sitting president, mm-hmm. a special counsel would have indicted Donald Trump, forwarded all of the evidence to the Congress, and then the Congress sets forth with articles of impeachment. Then they bring those articles of impeachment to the Senate. The Senate votes as jurors to convict or acquit that president. Mm -hmm. That would be the situation. Yes. I, we did not get that. Um, We did did not get that. But we did get a statement. And uh, one thing that I think we learned from the statement is that Robert Mueller believes that Donald Trump obstructed justice. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. The order appointing me special counsel authorized us to investigate actions that could obstruct the investigation. And we conducted that investigation and we kept the office of the acting attorney general apprised of the progress of our work. And as set forth in the report after that investigation, if we had had com- confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. We did not, however, make a determination as to whether the president did commit a crime. The introduction to the volume two of our report explains that decision. It explains that under long-standing department policy, a president cannot be charged with a federal crime while he is in office. That is unconstitutional. Even if the charge is kept under seal and hidden from public view, that too is prohibited. The special counsel's office is part of the Department of Justice and by regulation, it was bound by that department policy. Charging the president with a crime was therefore not 
an option we could consider. So what he's saying there is they chose not to charge the president. They chose not to indict the president over what they found based on the Office of Legal Counsel's opinion that it's unconstitutional to even charge a president with a federal crime. Mm -hmm. I don't believe that to be the case relative to the Constitution. I don't believe any man, and we're speaking about presidents, the 44 men who have been president, are above the law. None of them. However, there is a mechanism, and that is Congress. But this statement stands out and should be heeded by every Republican who has no idea what the Mueller report read. This statement right here. If we had had confidence that the president clearly did not commit a crime, we would have said so. If we had confidence that the president did not commit a crime, we would have said so. In other words, we had zero confidence to say that the president was innocent. That's what that means. And they're using really, he's not, he needs to be very clear about his language. And this is kind of nebulous. Yeah, it's even being used by Trump supporters. You'll see if you go read comment sections to say that, well, he's not saying that he's guilty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we we know what he's saying. That's because he's a fucking lawyer. Yeah, it's, it's also because I think he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to appear overtly political. And yeah. so he's trying to be a professional. But like the thing is, and I, I think he even tried this with releasing the report and doing everything the proper way, uh, trying not to be like a James Comey, for example. But the problem with that is, is a lot of people are not very smart. And so if you don't spell things out for them, they don't get it. Yeah, that, no, that's absolutely true, except for the fact that he's not talking to your every man. He's talking to Congress. This wasn't for the American people. He's not concerned about what public opinion is. In my opinion, that's what the deal is here. He's trying to send a message to Congress. He's trying to, to, to send a message to elected leaders who have the power to do something. Yeah, I think it can be both, though. And I think that you saw a lot of responses from the general public after Mueller made a statement because most people didn't read the Mueller report. Yeah, for sure. And once they listened to this very short statement, it was like nine minutes, uh, they heard what they needed to hear. And then it became, oh, shit. Did you guys hear this statement that Mueller just gave? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He just reiterated the things that are in the report. Oh, shit. Well, this is like serious yeah. and we need to impeach. Right. You know, you I'm sure he did move the needle a little bit. Yeah. And I think that that is also pressure for Congress, though. Yeah. Oh, well, absolutely. It's pressure for Congress. Yeah. Because that's who they listen to. Right. For sure. Now, I, we're going to talk about how he said he doesn't want to testify. But there's a discrepancy here. That he's saying in what we just played that the reason he didn't bring charges is a direct result of the Office of Legal Counsel's opinion mm -hmm. about not being able to indict a sitting president. Listen to Bill Barr the day that the, that, that the report was made public 
saying the exact opposite thing. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, we don't have the report in hand, so could you explain for us the special counsel's articulated reason for not reaching a decision on obstruction of justice and if it had anything to do with the department's longstanding guidance on not indicting a sitting president and you say you disagreed with some of his legal theories. What did you disagree with him on? Um, the, I, I'd leave it to his description in the report, the special counsel's own articulation of, of why he did not want to make a determination as to whether or not there was an obstruction offense. But I will say that when we met with him, uh, Deputy Attorney General uh, Rosenstein and I met with him along with Ed O'Callaghan, uh, who is the principal associate deputy. On March 5th, we specifically asked him about the OLC opinion and whether or not he was taking the position that he would have found a crime but for the existence of the OLC opinion. And he made it very clear several times that that was not his position. He, he was not saying that but for the OLC opinion he would have found a crime. He made it clear that he had not made the determination that there was a crime. Which is exactly the fucking opposite thing that you just heard Robert Mueller say. Precisely a different thing. He said, we were bound by these rules, this OLC opinion, therefore we went into this knowing we weren't going to indict, no matter what we found. I've done a couple of different videos, three different videos where I used the same language, but changed out the scenario. One where Donald Trump beats Sarah Huckabee Sanders to death. One where he runs his car into a crowd outside the White House, and he's not able to be indicted or convicted until he's out of office. That is where Congress comes in. Yeah, I also wonder how much of this statement was to try to clear up some of the confusion in the public between what Donald Trump is saying, what Fox News is saying, what Bill Barr is saying, what the report says, everyone saying different things, yeah, of course, with sure. Bill Barr, Fox News and Donald Trump lumped together there. And then the report yeah, on the other side, they are one team. That's for sure. So it, I think that some of it could have also been that right. There were those reports that Robert Mueller wrote a letter saying that he was obscuring the issue by releasing the summary and that it was not an accurate representation of his report. Yeah, he wanted the full thing released. Just release it. Right. And so I wonder if some of this was, hey, Attorney General William Barr, you are not doing your job here and people are not reading the report and I feel like all of this is being lost. So you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to read a nine minute statement <laughs> right. and maybe people will listen to this. It also was like the moment before he resigned. Yeah. Which isn't really an FU. He's just, I'm on my my way out i'm gonna say something mm -hmm. and part of it i think was and we're gonna get to it him not wanting to testify him this is my testimony i'm giving a statement here i hope this is the last time i talk to you guys and uh listen the report is my testimony i'm not gonna give you anything more mm -hmm. but, but but before we get there let's talk about and play the moment when he talks about preserving evidence 
and kind of passing the buck to Congress, letting them know, hey, listen, we did all of this knowing we couldn't charge the president, knowing there wouldn't be an indictment of Donald Trump, but we did this to preserve evidence for you to do your job, Nancy Pelosi, cough, cough, for Congress to do what it needs to do, taking care of, removing a president that is not doing his job, who is guilty of high crimes and misdemeanors, that you need to take the ball relative to the political process of removing a sitting president. Charging the president with a crime was therefore not an option we could consider. The department's written opinion explaining the policy makes several important points that further informed our handling of the obstruction investigation. Those points are summarized in our report, and I will describe two of them for you. First, the opinion explicitly permits the investigation of a sitting president because it is important to preserve evidence while memories are fresh and documents available. Among other things, that evidence could be used if there were co-conspirators who could be charged now. And second, the opinion says that the Constitution requires a process other than the criminal justice system to formally accuse a sitting president of wrongdoing. I love that he did this, especially for all the turds and goofballs who are going to say... <laughs> Well, why didn't he just charge him if there's, That's right. you know, whatever. Even, well, Donald Trump's saying that. Right. There was no conviction. There's no guilty. There's no guilty. He's not saying guilty. Right. And he just told you why. You have to do the investigation now, even if you can't indict, because you need to collect the evidence. Preserve you need to build the, the case. That is right. And this is the best time to do that. In addition to charging co-conspirators, which, huh, other people were charged. That is exactly right. Interesting too. how that worked out. Many people. Yeah. Including the national security director, the campaign chairman, the deputy campaign chairman, several people in the orbit of the Trump campaign are going to do fucking jail time. What are the chances that the chairman and the deputy chair and a foreign policy advisor and the, uh, the, the, the national security advisor, they all do jail time. They all get under hot water. And then the guy at the top, completely clean, no big deal. Many, many high-profile coffee boys. <laughs> a lot of coffees being served in that campaign. Mm. But here's the other thing. Here's the crux. Of, not the crux, but here's here's the... We're wrapping with this. We're wrapping with it. So it's not the crux, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> and that is the fact that Robert Mueller is requesting, nay, almost demanding that, eh, I don't want to testify. This is it. I don't want to say anything else. Now, I hope and expect this to be the only time that I will speak to you in this manner. I am making that decision myself. No one has told me whether I can or should testify or speak further about this matter. There has been discussion about an appearance before Congress. Any testimony from this office would not go beyond our report. It contains our findings and analysis and the reasons for the decisions we made. 
We chose those words carefully, and the work speaks for itself. And the report is my testimony. I would not provide information beyond that which is already public in any appearance before Congress. In addition, access to our underlying work product is being decided in a process that does, that does not involve our office. So beyond what I've said here today and what is contained in our written work, I do not believe it is appropriate for me to speak further about the investigation or to comment on the actions of the Justice Department or Congress. And it's for that reason I will not be taking questions today as well. Some awesome person yelled out a question after that. <laughs> you always got to try. That's You're not doing your job right unless you take a stab at it, right? You, you never know as he's walking away. He's like, you know what? I like that guy. I'm going to answer yeah. his question real quick. <laughs> I'll turn around. I'll give you an answer, bro. Sometimes they give that look to like, ah, good effort. Yeah. All right, here you go. I'll help you out. <laughs> I like your fire. You're tenacious. That would have been a good moment. Oh, that would have been a great moment. It didn't happen. It did he, not he happen. It did, yeah, he he really meant it when he said but it. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter. And Robert Mueller knows it doesn't matter. If he gets subpoenaed, he gets subpoenaed. And he's not a, he's not a, a, a Justice Department employee anymore. And he's I, and I don't believe he'll play the games where he's like, I'm sorry, I'm not a lot of humble. He's not going to do that. If he gets subpoenaed, he's going to show up and he's going to answer their questions. Because he has the, the ability to plead the fifth if he thinks that his answer might incriminate him. But Robert Mueller's not under any criminal threat here. And he can't plead the fifth to protect someone else. So he's going to answer. And there's lots of questions that could be asked that are outside of the specifics and the language of the 448-page Mueller report. They could ask him flatly, Hey, brother. Did you consider ever indicting the president? No, I did not. Why did you not ever consider indicting the president? Well, here's the reason. And then it's laid out flatly and plainly. I don't believe Robert Mueller would play the filibuster game like we've seen Bill Barr play, like we've seen Matt Whitaker play, like we've seen every other cabinet official play when they show up to Congress. He's going to fucking answer the questions. And there will be many. And my prediction is he is going to testify. They are going to either subpoena him or work out something where he volunteers to come in. Hmm. And I, listen, he's going to want to volunteer before he gets subpoenaed because when he gets subpoenaed, then he's under obligation to answer whatever questions they ask. And he's a man who's going to, he's an honorable guy. And, and a lot of people are mad. I, I, re, I read some YouTube comments on my videos. A lot of people are mad at Robert Mueller. They shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. He's done a good fucking job here. He ran a tight ship that was beyond reproach, that didn't give Donald Trump any real ammunition to attack him. Mm -hmm. You also, I mean, we really, we want professional people. Yes. <laughs> we need more professional people. And I think that that is what he has been. And, and Absolutely. I appreciate that a lot. Yeah. So anyway, we'd love to know what you think about all of this. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit 
at dollamore.com. If you agree, great. If you disagree, even better. We'd love to hear from you. And let's move on to the next thing. Mitch McConnell. Goddamn. Uh, uh. Unfucking believable. Sometimes when something gets just said to you plainly that you already know, you're not surprised by it because it's something you knew, but it's shocking to hear it. It's shocking that Mitch McConnell flatly admitted from a plain language question, if a Supreme Court justice dies next year in 2020, what are you going to do about it? Uh, we'd fill it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, the reason I started with the judges, as important as all these other things are that we're talking about, I mean, if you want to have a long-lasting positive impact on the country, everything else changes. You know, I, I, I remember during the tax bill, there were people agonizing over whether one part of the tax bill was permanent or not. I said, look, the only way the tax bill is permanent depends upon the next election. So you remember Mitch McConnell would not even allow Merrick Garland to move forward in the process after nomination. No Supreme Court vacancy created during a presidential election year should be filled uh, because the American people are in the process of speaking. The elections are going on all over the country. Uh, The next president uh, will be making this choice. Uh, The people will decide who should be. Uh, the appointing authority. So, no, he will not be uh, considered by the Senate. That was the argument. That's right. With President Obama nominating Merrick Garland in an election year. He called it the Biden rule. He said that the American people were in the middle of speaking. Which is interesting because they spoke in 2012 when they elected Barack Obama, Mm -hmm. when he was still in office and when a vacancy comes comes it's it's uh, to the sitting president to make a nomination right and then an appointment after confirmation right but now interestingly enough he no longer thinks that way because if a vacancy comes up in a, an election year in which Donald Trump is president a republican is president well then he's going to fill it that's right that's despite great. what he just fucking said this this very clear language that if, 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 if there's a vacancy within a presidential election year, the final year of a president's term, I'm sorry. No, that that needs to wait until the after the election to take place to to make any action on. In fact, he gave even more arguments about this, giving credence to precedents and such. And Brett, look to history. We haven't filled a vacancy created during a presidential election year in 80 years. You'd have to go back to 1888, Grover Cleveland in the White House, to find the last time a Senate controlled by the opposite party of the president confirmed a justice in a presidential election year. Look, this has been the history, this has been the tradition to not throw one of these nominees into the middle of a presidential election cauldron. And we're going to honor the precedents that have been created over decades. And this nominee, you know, may well be nominated by the next president. I hope not. Uh, But um, the next president's going to be making this decision. 
Let me tell you the history, the tradition, and the precedent that takes precedence over this Grover Cleveland example. And that's the precedence of the United States Constitution, which sets the rules. The president nominates, the president shall nominate, and with advice and consent of the Senate, confirm and appoint. That's the Constitution. This 1888 and 80 years nonsense with Grover Cleveland is fucking meaningless. Because the Constitution is crystal clear on the matter. But he went further. And really shoots himself in the foot here because he's talking about letting the people decide, as Brittany just talked about. Oh, he didn't let the people decide, even though the people have already decided in 2012. He said they're in the middle of speaking. That's right. They're speaking right now. Screw it when they spoke in 2012. They're going to speak again. Mm -hmm. But he talks about how Obama is trying to influence beyond his term in office. Well, what about the prospect of not having this nominee go forward or be considered and then the political ramifications of that? Are there any worries to down-ticket ballots, down-ticket elections, especially in some of these purple or bluish states where Republicans are up for re-election? Oh, I think not. I mean, the American people think that they ought to have a say in all of this. They're not a president on the way out the door. Uh, president Obama's got less than a year left. The American people believe that they ought to have an impact on a decision as important as this. And you add on to that that this was a closely divided Supreme Court. Uh, the death of Justice Scalia potentially tips the balance uh, to the left. Uh, so I think the American people understand the consequence of this. This would be President Obama having one more opportunity to control things far beyond his tenure in office. Uh, this nominee might live decades beyond the Obama administration. So the stakes are enormous. The American people would like to have a say in it. And we're going to guarantee that they do have a say in it uh, by choosing the next president of the United States. Right, we ask is, he, is he fucking listening to himself right I now? agree, Brittany. I agree. Yeah, this was this was very upsetting. And I think that it is time for Democrats to use that footage of Mitch McConnell saying from behind the podium with that smug look on his face that they would fill the vacancy. Swishing his Coke in his ice, his ice drink. Yeah. Swishing it before. He oh, well. <laughs> yeah. We'd feel it. Yeah. Ugh. We should be seeing that as a commercial on every channel once an hour. Right. Juxtaposed against the other footage about how principled he is about this matter. Oh, my God. It's a, it's those precedents, everybody. Come on, y'all. We can't do this. This will be against the government. This will be against our traditions and our history. Yeah. No good. Yeah. He and turned into Foghorn Leghorn somewhere in there. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I like what you said earlier about being shocked. Wait, what did you say? You said you're not... I'm not surprised by this happening, but it's shocking to hear it said. Right. Yeah, yeah I liked it. I couldn't remember it, but I liked it. And uh, <laughs> I think that's an important point because we knew this. We knew yeah. this about Mitch McConnell. For sure we knew that what the, what was happening. And if you didn't know this and you were like giving Mitch McConnell the benefit of the doubt... You need to like ask other people for advice because you do not have a good read on people. Well, listen, 
Political gamesmanship happens all the fucking time. Democrats are absolutely guilty of it. This is next level. This is, I don't know if evil's the right word, but this is undermining the integrity of the constitutional system that we have. This is undermining the checks and balances. This is giving enormous power to the executive branch, abdicating the duty and the power of the United States Senate and just giving it to Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Because as much as he says, well, uh, President Obama is going to be able to affect the the future for generations long beyond his term. What the fuck do you think Donald Trump did with Neil Gorsuch or Bart O'Kavanaugh? Do you think they're not going to be there long after Donald Trump is fucking dead? Mm-hmm. Of course they are. Come on. That's a really sour note. Yeah. I mean, it's an important one, but you you want to end on this? Things got really serious. Let's end let's end on this, Brittany Page. I will say this. Look, I have millions of people on Twitter. It's a lot of people. If somebody can't handle a Twitter account, they can't handle the nuclear company. Maybe the ultimate in, in admitting something, even if it's a Freudian slip, they're trying to say it's a typo, but this is not a fucking typo. Russia, Russia, Russia. That's all you heard at the beginning of this witch hunt hoax. And now Russia has disappeared because I had nothing to do with Russia helping me to get elected. (laughs) It was a crime that didn't exist. So now the Dems and their partner, the fake news media, and it goes on. Uh, Yeah, it was a thread. It was a thread. I had nothing to do with Russia helping me to get elected. Mm Mm-hmm. 42 minutes later, he walked out of the White House and was asked, so Russia helped you get elected? No, Russia did not help me get elected. You know who got me elected? You know who got me elected? I got me elected. Russia didn't help me at all. Russia, if anything, I think helped the other side. What you ought to ask is this. Do you think the media helped Hillary Clinton get elected? She didn't make it. But you take a look at collusion between Hillary Clinton and the media. You take a look at collusion between Hillary Clinton and Russia. She had more to do in the campaign with Russia than I did. I had nothing to do. And by the way, that's one other thing. If you look, this was all about Russia, Russia, Russia. They don't talk about Russia anymore because it turned out to be a hoax. It was all a hoax. It's, it's moments like this that I ask myself, what is the point? What is the point in asking him questions? Yeah, yeah. Because you could hear that she tried to clarify when he tried to deny it and say, no, you know who got me elected? I did. I did. I, it. She's like, yeah, but you just tweeted. And then he just talks over her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the other thing is he does this. Then he just goes through the same Russia, Russia, Russia. How did the tweet start? He does the same fucking thing. He just omits the dumb part. Well, it's all dumb, but he but he omits the the incriminating part, which is admitting that Russia helped him get elected. Yeah, I mean, uh. it's just it's completely. 
I don't know what to say anymore. And I think I've been saying that for a while, but it's just getting to the point where are we done with this? Are we, can we please be done with this soon? Are we done with this? November 3rd, 2020. Yeah. Actually, January 20th, 2021. Oh, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Stop it. I know. I know. What what are you going to do? Stop it. You're making it worse. It's the asshole of today. William Happer. William Happer. I I don't know what this is. Well, he's a physicist. Oh, an asshole physicist. Those fucking physicists. I know it's shocking because if you're a physicist, you got to be really smart. You know what I mean? Well, being smart doesn't mean you're not an asshole. I mean, look at Lawrence Krauss. Yeah. So anyway, he serves on the National Security Council Mm. as the president's deputy assistant for emerging technologies. I do know what this is about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I didn't know his name. Yeah. So he he was uh, doing an interview with CNBC and this was in 2014. So this wasn't recent. But he's now in the Trump administration. Right, but it was five years ago. High profile position. Yeah, and five years ago isn't too in the past. Right. Pretty recent still. Um, This is the very end of Obama's administration. Yeah, yeah. Well, he is very passionate about carbon dioxide. Oh, of course he is. He loves it. It is, oh, he loves it. Yeah, if he could marry <laughs> carbon dioxide, he would marry it. Yeah. He uh, he once had a respected career at Princeton, but then something happened where he started attacking the science behind man-made climate change. No, Trump! And baby! he started, um, as the New York Times writes here, defending the virtues of carbon dioxide. Too chill. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and this is how far he went in his defense. I'm sorry. I'm personifying carbon dioxide. I mean, this is how far he went in carbon dioxide's defense. All right. Quote, the demonization of carbon dioxide is just like the demonization of the poor Jews under Hitler. What? <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. The demonization of an inert gas... Mm-hmm. is just like the slaughter, because that's what the demonization led to, uh-huh. the genocide of millions of human beings. Yes. Mm-hmm. This guy is fucking real, real smart. Yeah, so... God damn. Don't understand what's happening there, but that has to be one of the dumbest quotes that i've ever heard so that's impressive sir good work yeah for being a smart guy physicist on the national security council of course in the trump administration well you know what they say about comedians they're really smart (laughs) maybe he's just trying to he's just working on new material yeah (laughs) maybe he's just trying to find a joke that will land yeah you know he's he's working on his open mic night down Mm -hmm. at the fucking chuckle hut yeah (laughs) the chuckle hut all right, 30 Rock guy. We get it. All right, everybody. We're going to leave you there. We, uh, fuck, I don't know what to do. What a <laughs> goddamn mess. Oh. We would love to hear from you, though. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email 
voice memos from the app on your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Until then, we're going to see you. But we would ask for your support. If you are in a financial position to help the show out on Patreon, go to teamdollamore.com or dollamore.com slash Patreon. Or hell, you can even do it the old-fashioned way and go to patreon.com slash idoubtitwithdollamore. And that'll all bring you there. You can peruse the different tiers. You can peruse the different rewards. And we'd love to have you in the Patreon family to help produce the content that we do, both here and on the YouTubes. All is covered. We love you guys. We appreciate you. We'd love to hear from you. And we will see you next time. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore. This has been I Doubt It. Jonah Hill's sister. Beanie Feldstein. Beanie Feldstein. We also don't need to lead with Jonah Hill's sister. He could lead her name. 